Welcome back to Speaking of Wounds. This is the podcast by the Wound Care Learning Network. I'm your host, Steve Burquist. We've got a special guest with us. She's a return guest. This is Tracy Kimball. Dr. Kimball, uh, you may know from our previous podcast where we were talking about the PACE system and we're getting together today to dive a little deeper into this subject. Um, so just a little background in case you missed the last one. Dr. Kimball's a board-certified wound management specialist physician. Uh, she has addition, you know, additional qualifications in underseeing hyperbaric, hyperbaric medicine, vascular medicine, geriatrics, and surgery. So this is a surgeon who has done vascular surgery training and is focused on wound care, which we're excited to have her with us. So diving into this, uh, let me just say, Tracy, I'm so glad to have you back with us today. This was this is my hope of the podcast today. You are you're working in an environment where you're able to sort of put your hands on all the people in your team, and this is a a pace environment which you can review with uh, the listeners. And my hope today was since so many of our practitioners, nurse practitioner, uh, physician assistant, wound care nurses. Uh, MDs and DOs, surgeons, non-surgeons, you know, the whole group that listens to this, each of us are in a little bit different scenario, and often we don't have the ability to pull together the team effect like we want to. And I'm hoping you'll be brainstorming uh, with our listeners today to help them get this team approach going. That's the main essence of today. So uh, give us some input. Great. So the PACE organization is um, uh, focused, is centered around a interdisciplinary team. And so when we transitioned and brought wound care in-house, it was very simple to establish a wound-focused interdisciplinary team um, because it's something we were already doing with all of our uh, allied health professionals, um, social workers, uh, nursing staff and physicians. Um, that being said, it, <clears throat> basically, um, really what uh, an organization would need to do would just be to make sure that there's allocation of time um, for these individuals to come together and, uh, and sit around a table and uh, discuss the patient's um, entire umbrella of care with, res with regards to um, things like their vascular health um, and their physical rehab needs and their nutritional needs. Um, honestly, that's, that to me has been such an, um, an amazing opportunity to really provide the quality of care that our wounded patients require, since obviously it is a multidisciplinary focus uh, chronic condition. Um, for me as the, as the team leader and the quarterback of this, um, this team, um, I really find it's very important for that individual to be able to also have time to um, make, uh, to, to spread a net, to spread a web, um, and to make contacts with the community providers who are also participating in the patient's care. So I take 
I, I spend a great amount of time um, networking with, uh, with my, basically the Sentinel providers that I've identified in the community that share our same mission of being a very patient-focused center uh, provider. Um, obviously, teaching them about the PACE organization and what we stand for and what our mission is and, and what we can do to support our participants during their episode of, of wound. Um, once they understand that, uh, then they, everybody's been uh, excited because a lot of times I think there's a bias built in that, you know, our system is so complex and there's a lot of convolution and a lot of um, inefficiencies. And so we get into this mindset that um, quality uh, can, can't be attainable. And, um, and so I do spend a lot of time with people who are new to the PACE organization um, explaining about what we can provide to patients and seemingly show that we can be efficient, we can provide quality, and we can therefore um, have amazing outcomes. And it's sort of uh, enlightening for everybody and almost gratifying for everybody to hear that because now that maybe there's no more uphill battles to, be deal, to deal with when caring and getting a patient to closure and to heal. Um, we also spend a lot of time in the PACE organization um, steering the patients in directions of the most, um, not only efficient care, but also the most comforting care. Um, and, I, I'm, and I'm saying that when we look at a patient with a wound, we, we really under, try to understand what their function is, what their psychosocial needs are, what their living conditions are, and really do offer a customized package to getting them in the providing them the most quality care uh, or quality of life um, during the sometimes very painful process of living with a chronic wound. Um, and I think that's also very comforting. It was for me coming into this organization when I knew I could offer, say, a more palliative approach instead of a, say, aggressive, painful, curative approach, um, simply because we may need to drive uh, particular production metrics or financial metrics. Um, but, but it really allows me to, to um, really provide strong ethical care um, that is fitting and customized for the patient within the patient's own personal goals of being comfortable and, um, and having uh, um, uh, a more quality of life during the process. So you've, you've hit on a couple beautiful things, and I think I want to just zero in. And one was that you allocated time. And I think that that is such a key principle for us getting this uh, working together with our colleagues for a better outcome is we literally just have to start, look at our calendar and say, where am I going to put the time to do this? And so I think for the practitioners who are still in the mindset of, um, you know, I've got to fill every moment by seeing a patient and making a charge at the sorry, you're not going to get there at the level of care we're talking about. 
but somebody that's willing to look at their calendar and go, this is where I'm putting in the time. It's not face-to-face with the patient. It's behind the scenes. So allocation of time. Now I've got a question on that. You bringing that subject to time up, you said you also made time to work with the local providers, you know, so they'll know what's going on. So my question specifically there is, if I'm sort of reaching out and getting a network uh, and spending some time with them so we can do this, uh, we used to call it chart rounds years ago, you know, going over with the whole team, what's going to go on. How do you work it with, in this patient's case, it's this surgeon. In that patient's case, it's a different surgeon. In that patient's case, it's a different vascular intervention group. And, you know, there's so many different. It's not like I just have a team. It's like I've got the whole medical community around me. And on every patient, my chart round is almost going to be a a different team, per se. Tell me about how you approach that piece of it. Yeah, and and Stephen, that's a great question. Um, a lot of it goes into really understanding the personalities of of the of the um, consulting provider, and then of course understanding their skill set, um, what they what brings them joy, what uh, you know, what are they most passionate about, and 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 who they and who they are. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's overthinking, um, thinking the referral, but as just being a surgeon myself and understanding one, the technical, um, aspects of, of procedures, I think that helps. Um, I'm very much in, I very much find, uh, that it's helpful to educate the patient a little bit about what their expectation should be, expectation should be when they're going to see this new provider. And then I also deliver the patient in a nice little package and make sure that the provider is receiving the necessary information to have, to be efficient, to make a decision. Um, and it's, and it's actually, it might be over paper, but we almost have a conversation about what is the best approach. And then I load the boat and I get that patient mentally prepared to go into that visit, be open to accepting the offer. Um, or what the options are, and then moving moving from there. Um, but I really, but really, what defines where I send them a lot of times comes with, you know, the providers, um, the providers' uh, technical skill set, and then their their truly their personality, but also their geography. I mean, Pace is a transportation model of care. We do a lot of moving patients from point A to point B. So while we have patients in one part of Denver, I've established a, 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 a microco- you know, a little microcosm of, of provider network there in that geography. And so I also feed patients to that within that geography as well. So what, I've de- what I did is behind the scenes, obviously, I sat down and I looked at who is in that area. And then I reached, and then I reached out, and I sort of initially was kind of trial and error. And then as I, as I got went through this process, and you know, has been over time, has learned to, you know, who who are my go tos, um, who understands the pace model, who is open to having a fluid discussion with me about the goals of care and what we really need. Because in my opinion, while I'm be, while I'm a surgeon. To cut is not to cure for every case. 
Um, and, and, it's, and that isn't something that we're taught when we're in training. Um, we're actually taught the opposite. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of, hey, I'm going to send this patient to you for a second opinion. They're on the fence about a procedure. Um, we really are struggling to get them to, you know, really be comfortable and less is more or more is more. And I just need you to help me get them there. And so a lot of times that referral is utilized for that. And they appreciate that because then obviously they're allocating the unnecessary time to, to, to ahead of time for those kinds of visits. And I think, even, I think just giving them that heads up is so crucial to success because a lot of times when we have this sort of disjuncted, you know, this discoordinate care, um, they don't know why they're being asked to see the patient. And so it's just complete inefficiency. So my job really is to try to make it as efficient and as clean as possible so that we don't have to spend a lot of time rehashing things and, and doing things over or missing something and having to pick it up. And so we can have that time efficient time that we need within our system that we take to have these IDT meetings, and they run very, very on point. Um, and so, but again, it takes a little bit of forethought. It does take that loading the boat effort um, to make sure that that patient is going to that provider in a nice uh, little package of information so that provider can then make the right decision. So uh, on that question, I know that uh, let's take surgeons, for example, because you are a surgeon. Um, if I'm making an appointment for my wound patient to see you for surgery, let's say, and uh, your next available office appointment is in two and a half weeks, and it's not an emergency, so we've got it set up for two to three weeks. And even if I let you know, well, you've slept and done, you know, two dozen surgeries since then and seen another hundred patients in office. And by the time you see them, there may not be a clue of an inkling in your mind, oh, this is the one Berkowitz talked to me about. Um, do you reach out further and keep a list and know that patient A is going to see surgeon B today and you call that surgeon that morning to remind them? Or are you just taking it for granted that that busy physician yeah, remembers your conversation? Give me a little input there to help that go smooth. So I, I use the same information that I speak when I put it in my note. So, so little keywords, clues, whatever. I have a face, I have a, a conversation with them. Um, typically I try to time it where it's not several weeks, but obviously if things get canceled or something happens and it gets pushed out, we also you know, are sending a package of information with the patient in lead of the visit. So yeah, a lot of it is me saying, okay, I'm, I'm giving you all this information you need to do it, you know, be efficient and utilize it to your benefit. Um, what I do tend to do is I will, uh, I have everybody's phone numbers. <laughs> so I will, um, I will send them little messages on the day of the visit and say, hey, you know, any updates, what did, what, uh, what, uh, what did you figure out? Um, I just follow up with them more than just, more than say right before the visit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I do a lot of upfront legwork. I'm giving them all the tools that they need to be successful and have a, um, and I think that's just my nature. And I'm kind of like, that's what we used to do as interns, right? We used to 
prepare yeah. the chief resident or the attending surgeons with their, you know, schedule along with a coffee or a pastry or something. You know, I mean, that's what we did. And that might just be the culture of surgery. Um, I, I don't know about other disciplines, but um, I kind of still use, do that same thing for my referring surgeons. Um, it's, uh, it's peacekeeping to me. And, uh, and it's certainly helpful to make sure that the patient's getting, uh, getting great care and not, um, not falling through the cracks. Listen, I think that we have hit where we're aiming for, for today's short podcast, because the first one we talked in general, and folks can go back and listen about the whole team, identifying who they were and, and how this works. Today, I really wanted the follow-up to be hitting home so somebody could listen, could go away with an idea of how can I start the implementation of a better coordinated care. And I think, literally, you have hit the nail on the head. You've given us the key of look at our schedule, take time. Secondly, use some of that time so that you are communicating with the folks in the team that you use. And thirdly, follow through with a reminder of, okay, you're seeing my patient, this person, and that coordination of care can ultimately turn into such uh, a, a wonderful outcome for our patients. So I love it. So tie it together for me because uh, we're out of time. So any sure. last things, Tracy? Yeah, so really, honestly, the underpinning of this podcast is the focus on a team and, um, and really allowing every member of that team to have a voice, including those individuals who are not PACE employees, um, those individuals that are actually very critical in the care of the complex wound. Um, and so reaching out to uh, providers and in making them feel like they are a part of the decision-making. Um, and again, it's, it's all about everybody having a voice, um, everybody feeling like they are contributing and, and identifying what their specific talent is uh, to make this um, cohesive and, uh, and really just building those relationships that people feel like um, they are really serving that patient directly and, um, and, and not just a cog in, in the system. Well, listen, uh, Dr. Tracy Kimball, thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast today. Great discussion. I'd love to talk more. Obviously, we're out of time. And I do want to thank yep. my listeners for tuning in and, you know, checking us out. Um, and guys that are listening, remember, woundcarelearningnetwork.com. And you can find more podcasts, articles, videos. I mean, go for it. Uh, you can listen to these things on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, etc. So I'm hoping you guys will be back to listen for our next podcast on Speaking of Wounds. And uh, again, I'm very thankful today for Dr. Tracy Kimball to be with us and for the Wound Care Learning Network on providing this time for Speaking of Wounds. Thank you, guys. <laughs>